0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: It's Champions League Wednesday preview. Sevilla against Borussia Dortmund. Porto against Juventus. We have Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for your betting tips, analysis, and plenty of banter. Que golazo. Wednesday Champions League preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Que Go La so This is our Wednesday Champions League preview. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm great. Thanks for asking, Luis. It's always good to see James Bench as well, and I'm excited. We got another couple of big games to talk about.
1: Absolutely, and without further ado, James Bench. How are you, my friend?
3: I'm great. I'm also I'm um, excited for Wednesday Champions League because that takes us a day closer to the real here we go here we go the Hancock is returning europa league it's inside i know you lot don't care about it but i am fired up for man united <laughs> arsenal all the big teams they're playing europa man um,
1: we care about it. We love it. I love Europa. Absolutely. We're, we're all excited. But hey, today is all about the Champions League, Wednesday's action as Sevilla face Dortmund and of course, Porto against Juventus. And of course, we begin uh, with sevilla Dortmund. But with that, of course, everything with Jimmy has to begin with his betting tips <laughs> with this specific game. Jimmy Conrad, talk to me about sevilla Dortmund.
2: I'm feeling a little bit of pressure here. Uh, you know, there's always a lot of like, I don't want people to lose their money. So let's just take these as considerations for something you should consider given what I've seen. And then some of the trends that are out there that hopefully Benj and Luis back me up on. All right. So the lines that I really like out of this game, I like Sevilla to win. I'm just going to start there and kind of work backwards. Sevilla have won nine straight games in the league, seven consecutive clean sheets. I find that to be next level that's their best league form since 2008 what i find interesting though about sevilla is that even though they've won the europa league james bench's favorite competition six times out of the last 15 years they've only made it past the round of 16 once in the champions league in the last 60 years what is that stat it's the same goddamn teams Luis. i mean i just don't understand you just you just you're just changing the name it says europa it's crazy there's like a mental block there however I do believe they'll get to get past Dortmund, especially at home in this first leg. We'll talk about leg two in a couple weeks with you guys. I, I, Sevilla are on something fierce. My only concern for Sevilla is that the last time they played against a big man that, that has some ability up top, in the Champions League that is, that was Chelsea, Olivier Giroud. Dude scored four goals. What's interesting about that game, Sevilla didn't have their starting outside backs that you're used to Acuna, uh, Jesus Navas. Both of those guys are hurt for this game as well. That gives me a little bit of a pause. However, they added Papu Gomez. They're so good going forward. Lucas Acampas is probably going to be out too. That said, I think Sevilla has enough more quality, better identity. They know who they are and how they want to play. Dortmund, not so much. So I like Sevilla to win both teams to score plus 325. Now, Seven consecutive clean sheets is no joke. We should take that into consideration. But Erling Holland is a special player. Dortmund know that if can just get one away goal, that gives them a good chance in the second leg. I think they're going to be really pushing for that. Whether they lose 2-1, 3-1, I'm curious what you guys think. And then I like my other bet to be Erling Holland to be the first away goal scorer. Very specific on William Hill. The first away goal scorer, plus 140. I do think he's going to find a way to hit the back of the net. And uh, thanks for having me. Don't forget to tip your servers on your way out.
1: (laughs) Great stuff there, Jimmy Conrad. I especially love Sevilla to take this one with both teams to score. Either way you look at it, it looks like both teams are vulnerable defensively at some point, especially in the Champions League. But hey, let's get James Benji's opinion, especially on the lineup and and, and what we're thinking in terms of both these squads, James.
3: Yeah, I'm... (laughs) I'm not worried for Dortmund because I don't know emotionally invested in Dortmund, but if I were emotionally invested in Dortmund, I'd be really worried because uh, just looking at the players they've got out now, no Schmelzer, no Witz or no Zagadou. Their defense looks really dodgy with Akanji Kanji and, and Hummels. I think they were quite poor at the weekend, if I remember correctly. Munier's a doubt, Berkey's a doubt, Hazard's a doubt, Delaney's a doubt. You know, there are a lot of good quality players that are unavailable for Dortmund for this game. And, you know, I think, I think there's a little bit of fool's gold in, in Sevilla's defensive revival. I think if you go back to the game of the weekend, Bono made uh, four or five great saves. I mean, this guy is, he's moving in mysterious ways. I'm going to come up with more uh, U2 puns for Bono because <laughs> that one did not land. I just Uh, got it.
1: It was too early for me, but yeah, I got well done. Well done.
2: done. I was on mute, Benji. I'm cracking up over here. I was drinking and I didn't want my my big throat drinks to to come on, but I was laughing.
3: But I mean, I'm always more worried about defenses that are performing well because it's just their goalkeeper saving a lot of shots. And Bono has saved a lot of shots of late. So that would be my slight worry. But it's just a real, it's a real solid team. The thing they did great in the group stage was create, chances what they didn't do was create good chances well you can solve that now because you've got Papu Gomez in this squad um I'm surprised we haven't really mentioned him yet I think for me he's the, the the best signing that any of the last 16 teams have made he he gives them that little that spark that extra something in the final third that maybe going back to what Jimmy was saying maybe that's what a team like Sevilla has been lacking they just haven't quite had that you know that player that that charms something out of nothing, that that wins you a tie through his, ch- his sheer impudence, his sheer creativity. I'm really excited for Sevilla. I, I said I think they're dark horses for a real long run in this tournament as a whole, and I think Dortmund, the way they are, the injuries they have, kind of a struggle to see them really stopping, really stopping Sevilla at all.
1: Yeah, well, I completely agree. I, I love Sevilla. And if you go to CBSports.com, you can read my interview with Munchi right now, actually. Uh, if you don't know who Monchi is, uh, shame on you. You should. <laughs> one of the most influential names in the European game. He's given us players like Sergio Ramos and Jose Antonio Reyes. But one of the things that specifically was focusing on, to your point, James Benjava, Papu Gomez, is that Sevilla left a, a, a hole when Banega left you know, uh, that creative sort of fluidity that that team needed. And Papu Gomez, here it is, just a perfect, perfect fit. His opening goal for Sevilla in La Liga was ridiculous, but that's just one of many things that he can do. I'm with you both. I think Sevilla is a very good, let's hope we don't jinx them. Uh, But, you know, forever the darling in Europa, Uh, Now they have a real chance to really, you know, make a statement in the Champions League. So let's talk a little bit more about Borussia Dortmund or Jimmy Conrad, because, you know, now with the news that Marco Rose will be their manager this summer, you know, and we always knew that the interim manager uh, situation was just going to be that, an interim situation. But Borussia has a real statement to me because it looks like obviously they're not going to win the Bundesliga, even the top four is uh, a little bit of a worry for them. How important is this game for them and the tournament of the Champions League
2: itself? Okay, I got three issues or three, maybe three things to discuss here. One is to James's point about all these injuries and specifically to some outside backs for dortmunds sevilla are one of the best in the world at creating numerical advantages out wide they love to whip the ball in they love to get on the end of crosses they run with a lot of purpose in the attacking third and so i think that could be a big issue especially for those center backs hummels and Akanji who haven't been playing particularly well so i think that's an issue for dortmund on a tactical side of things for for erling holland let's use him in particular this guy, if, if Dortmund don't make the top four, why is he going to stick around, right? Doesn't he want to play in the Champions League? Won't he maybe push to get out? And why, why toil another year when he knows he can make a splash? And why not against Sevilla, a very good team in La Liga where maybe Real Madrid is a destination in the future. So he's going to want to put on a good performance. I think there's a lot of layers there and something to consider. And then finally, what I find interesting about Marco Rose, who's coming from and Gladbach, he's staying with Gladbach for the rest of the season. The problem is... Munch and Gladbach is competing with Dortmund for that last Champions League spot. Yes. And I find that to be a massive conflict of interest. That he is now going to try to put his future employers into the Europa League. I, I feel like that's almost impossible to separate. And why wouldn't he want to maybe not have Munchen Gladbach finish in the top four so that his Kurt and his former or his future employers can get the Champions League spot, and he can continue to be in that competition next year as manager. I find that to be very odd, and I don't know as a human being how he's going to handle that on a personal level because that's got to be a little bit difficult.
3: Yeah, that is
1: such a good point. Like, (laughs) I know that the Germans do it differently because they're always planning ahead, ahead. But that's very, very true just the conflict of interest with both these sides is kind of outstanding what do you make of it james benji marco rosa to borussia uh the conflict that jimmy was talking about and dortmund's uh, ultimate goal in the champions league because to be honest Bayern munich has uh, the bundesliga already wrapped up it's just about trying to see if they can even make the top four and go further in the champions league
3: yeah i guess the only thing i would say about marco rose is i mean he could try and tank you know he wouldn't i'm sure cuz he's a professional and he will do his job to the best of his abilities he could try and tank gladbach below dortmund and you know tank you know make sure that dortmund qualify for the champions league but the way dortmund are playing at the moment like they're going to need all the help they can get no right. matter how badly gladbach perform they're going to need other teams to slip up for them cuz something's gone wrong and i think maybe what you hope is that this becomes like a a Gus Hiddink part one at Chelsea, a um, Heinkers at Bayern Munich. That feels like it was probably longer ago than it was where, you know, the, the assistant, the, the interim manager just sort of says, well, have at it, lads, you know, enjoy yourself, maybe make some difficult decisions, you know, sets the ground for the next guy, for the new guy, because he knows he's not got anything else. But, you know, right now Terzic's been pretty turgid. Um, the, the football's poor, there's no real sign of progress. It's, I just, you know, Dortmund inevitably put themselves in a catch 22 here. They, they can't upgrade the coaching staff because no manager is going to want to do this job for a few weeks. Yeah. But right now it doesn't look like it's working. So you, you kind of can't, can't carry on with, with Terzic as
2: is. It's. Well, bench bench. do you think that Marco Rose is informing Terzic about how he potentially wants Dortmund to play? I mean, that would be something I would, as a manager that's about to come in, you're starting to look at the team a little bit different in Dortmund. And is Turchich even going to reach it? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how the German culture works with regard to what's acceptable and what, what isn't within the situation. So, but
3: It's so know. different to a player, isn't it? Like, you know, we know a Pamikano is going to Bayern, but, well, you know, he's one cog in an RB Leipzig team, and, you know, he'll be one cog in Bayern. It doesn't, you know, he can't influence results that much. I don't, I don't particularly think it would be, you know, if I were glad back, I'd expect every minute of Rose's waking hours to be given over to the, the job he's doing there. I mean, I, we all know that's not how it works. Cause we've all moved jobs before. We know that you start thinking, you know, you, you mm-hmm. save your exclusive interviews for, for the new, the new place. And you do all that. I think I, it's natural that Rose will start thinking about it and that Dortmund will start thinking about it. And then therefore, I think it's natural they take their eye off the ball and you know, they struggle in the Bundesliga, maybe the Champions League, because it's so foundational, because it's a chance for these young players to prove their worth on the biggest stage. Maybe they don't lose their focus quite as much there, but, you know, 1% margins here. They kill you in this competition. They really do.
1: Yep. And let's go back to the competition. And also Dortmund uh, from, you know, the turn of the year, you know, uh, they beat Wolfsburg on January 3rd to nothing. But since then, they haven't been able to keep a clean sheet. And, you know, so you know that vulnerable uh, uh, situation that they're in, especially as they enter this tournament. So the question is uh, focusing now, returning back to this first leg, Jimmy Conrad, where you have Sevilla. We're very, um, you know, we're thinking higher than fourth in in La Liga, looking good as well against uh, Barcelona for that second leg in the cup tournament as well. But what can you expect in terms of a full result here? Uh, Because I would imagine... That the very least that Borussia Dortmund need here is a goal, right? Yeah. So if they come out of this two-one, that's pretty good, right? But I think that if they don't score, it's a two-nothing. It could be a, a major obstacle heading into the second leg.
2: I think that the two center backs for Sevilla are some of the best center back pairing in the world. Center back yeah, is in the world. it's is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and and I think both of them are going to be highly sought after in the transfer window. Uh, Kunde in particular is only 22 and, and there's plenty of clubs that we can mention that need a center back of his quality and of his, his potential. I think really for Dortmund, Holland has to stay in between those two center backs Yeah, and he has to occupy them in a way. And then he needs support. If he's left on an Island early in Holland, if, if the connection between him and if Gio Reyna played underneath him uh, in the Hoffenheim game, and you, I know that he's got a very strong relationship with Gio Reyna, they, they they look for each other in a certain way. Uh, and then Jaden Sancho, he has to come alive and, and still put his, his his fingerprints on this and stay connected to those guys as well. They, they definitely have a chance. And as I mentioned before, Sevilla struggled when there was a big guy that was mobile up top. And we could argue Erling Holland is a lot more mobile and probably a little bit better than Olivier Giroud. And yeah. Olivier Giroud scored four against Sevilla, against these center backs that I'm mentioning, and against uh, second, second rate or let's see the B squad outside backs, which is what we're going to see again. So there is opportunities. And to your point, they do only, from my opinion, just, just keep it close. Get that away goal and then go back to, to Germany or wherever they're going to play the game and, and try to get all three of those points or try to get the win in the second leg to move through.
1: Yeah, this is a different Sevilla since that loss though, I think. And I think with a Papu Gomez, it becomes even more interesting. But having said all that, all right, let's get those final predictions here. James Bench, your score prediction for that game.
3: I'm going to say, I, I must have given my prediction about five times. I think I'm different every yeah. time. Two more Sevilla.
1: It's also my fault because I always ask it over (laughs) and over. I just want to make sure that we're all set. What what did you say, James? Uh, 2-0 Sevilla. 2-0 Sevilla. What about you, Jimmy Conrad?
2: I'm going to say 2-1. I do think that Erling Holland will score at some point. I think that Sevilla will have enough. It could be 3-1. But I do think, despite the fact that Papa Gomez will come in for Lucas Ocampos, Papa Gomez is not as mobile as Lucas Ocampos. So the balance is a little bit different. You have Inesri, who's the nine and Suso on one side and Ocampos on the other. And they're good runners, right? They, they run at defenses. Whereas Papa wants to kind of come back and look at those pockets of space to create the attack. So it makes them a little bit one-sided. Uh that said, I think Sevilla's just got too much quality and Dortmund are just not in a good way right now. I mean, if they're giving up goals to some teams in Germany, you're like, no chance that they should be giving up goals or even dropping points to these teams. Uh, Sevilla are infinitely better than those, those, those squads in Bundesliga. I'll leave them nameless. I don't want to shame them at all. But uh, yeah, i like two or three one to Sevilla.
1: Yeah, I'm going with 2-1 as well. I just think, you know, uh, Borussia Dortmund's reputation is what's going to save them here and just get that one goal, but Sevilla will will win this one. So that's what I think. All right, let's keep going. No break here. Let's keep going because there's another game, of course, as Porto. Portugal's Porto face Juventus, uh, a very big game. And uh, to be honest with you, out of all these games this week, uh, Jimmy, it's, it's the toughest one for me to try and figure out. I don't know why, uh, Juventus sometimes really worry me, especially that one, nothing loss against Napoli. What do you make of this? You had a few betting tips for this one.
2: Yeah, I do, but I was in the same warm waters that you were swimming in as well with regard to this game. Cause it, it has zero zero written all over it. Porto are the only team to not concede at home in the champions league uh, this season, which mm-hmm. I think is a, is a telling stat, uh, Juventus Though they did lose to Napoli over the weekends, they peppered Napoli. They were all over them. And it was only a great goalkeeping performance from Napoli's Alex Moret that uh, ultimately saved the day. Da- D- Davido Spina got hurt in the warm up. So Moret didn't even have a chance to really, mentally prepared, just went out there and had a blinder. So he was great. <laughs> he was fantastic. So there's, there's, uh, if I'm Pierlo, I'm not necessarily disappointed. It's one thing if I was the Stefano Pioli in AC Milan where you don't get one shot on goal against Spezia. They created a ton of chances against Napoli. They just didn't finish, and that happens at times. What you worry about is not creating opportunities, and they're not lacking in that. That said, Porto are very good. They know who they are and what they're about. They've only lost once since Halloween. That's a long time ago. Wow. And that was in the Portuguese Cup semifinals against Sporting Clube de Portugal. Now, when they've lost or dropped points recently, both to Braga in, the, in a cup competition and, and in the league and also to, to sporting, they gave up late goals, very late goals. Uh, they gave up two to sporting in that loss after the 86th minute, uh, they gave up late goals to Braga, two late goals and another one to draw two, two, in both games. So there's something about them closing it out. When you're playing against a team like Juve with the greatest of all time in this competition, Cristiano Ronaldo there, who scored th- in his last 13 knockout round games, he scored 13 goals. That said, Cristiano Ronaldo's played Porto six times in his life, has only won once and has only scored one time out of those six games. So I don't know, maybe maybe Porto's just his team where he can't have a lot of success or just, I don't know, maybe there's something there. He's a sporting kid, so maybe there's a little bit of a mental hangout from being a youngster going up against him. My issue here, and then I'll give you guys my lines, is that Porto are going to be out without their two starters on the left side. Sunusi, who uh, the Nigerian left back, excellent this season, 23-year-old, very, very good. I don't expect him to be at Porto for too long. And then Otavio, the Brazilian, excellent, especially in the Champions League, those two really good combination. And I feel like Porto going to have to do something that Liverpool have been doing, what Barcelona have to do, which is they now have to put guys in positions that maybe aren't their best spots. And then everybody's got to move around to kind of accommodate these big losses. And I bring this up because Juan Cuadrado, who bombs forward on the right for, for Juve, leads the champions league this season in assists he's been doing a great job danny alves esque of getting forward finding himself in good spots and whipping in a, a kind of a deeper cross that allows morata and, and cr7 to get on the end of these things and i think that's where they could really do some damage but i fear because there's so gonna be so much emphasis they don't want to give up an away goal right there's gonna be such an emphasis on not creating or allowing any space for juve i just think that they're gonna be really difficult to break down so my first bet is under 0.5 goals in the first half, plus 155. I can really see a 0-0 in the first half as Porto just sit back and clamp things down and not give anything away. The last thing they want to do is give an away a goal in the first 45 minutes of a two-legged affair. So I think they're going to be really smart in, in there. And then at halftime, I think we could see some adjustments and then maybe a late goal for CR7. I still, I, I want to hear from you guys first before I before I go, but I kind of like the draw plus 215. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the draw. I think there's something there. A 0-0 or a 1-1. Uh, but if you like Juve to win exactly 1-0, which I could see, if any result that I could see, it could be that. Plus 550 is not a bad shout. So that's what I got. Take it or leave it.
1: <laughs> no, I love it, especially, uh, you know, about the fact that it could be scoreless at halftime. Listen, Porto, I've also, like, uh, been coming out with a lot of draws recently. So, you know, the, the resiliency is there. But in terms of finishing... Uh, you know, teams away. And now against Juventus will be a mountain to climb. Jane's bench. uh, Jimmy mentioned a few injuries. I'm specifically looking at Juventus here because I'm not sure about Paulo Dybala's fitness, even Juan Cuadrado, to be quite honest. What's the latest with them? And what do you make of Juventus as they uh, face Porto? And to Jimmy's point, Ronaldo are really not doing that great against the Portuguese giant.
3: Well, um, I'm stealing this all off Bella, our researchers. I'm going to pretend this is my own information. but well, it's not. <laughs> well, we're Juan on a Quadrado. team here, so Bella, thank you very oh, much. Right. Thanks, Bella. Uh, Juan Cuadrado, um, Arthur Artur, and Bonucci out. Um, as as Jimmy says, Cuadrado, a big blow because I was, you know, I do I do my research just like Bella does his. Uh, and one thing I spotted in that Porto's draw last time out and actually a few of their draws, they look really worrying on crosses. Both goals that Boa Vista scored were crosses out from the right. That There was no organisation. I don't understand how a defence with, you know, veterans like Pepe and Bemba, Marchesin, why are they not dealing with this? But it's not something you want to see before you come up against Ronaldo and Morata. It, it's a real worry, even if, you know, their, their supply line is a bit limited by Cuadrado. That yeah. Porto game as well, I I, I'm always, you know, Jimmy knows this far better than I, but I'm fascinated. It's a, such a strange game. Obviously, they fought back from two goals down. Uh, and then Sergio our son, um, who I didn't, I was unaware that Sergio i was so old that his son could be playing professional football.
1: Oh my god, yeah. I'm so old. Really? Oh, jeez.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh he comes on in the last minute, thinks he scored the winner. VAR comes back and rules it out, and I think. It's been tough for Porto. If you're a team like Porto, you're not used to dropping points consistently week in, week out. How much of a blow, you know, that that sort of emotional release of getting the winner right before you play Juventus and then it being ripped away from you, how much that carries? I've got no idea. I'm sure Jimmy knows better than, than myself. But, you know, I'm worried about how Porto deal with crosses because <laughs> you're playing against the best penalty box player we've ever seen. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I think it will be tight. It's not the game I'm really looking forward to. I'm quite pleased I'll be watching Sevilla Dortmund instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may be the one that's decided by the odd goal. And then, look, if you're picking a team that's going to win by the odd goal, you always pick the one with Ronaldo in, don't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, though, uh, Jimmy, to James Benj's point about, you know, Porto dealing with crosses, well, what about the other way around? Uh, you know, uh, attack from the wider. I mean, I'm. Sp- I agree. sevilla Dormont is obviously, for the neutral, a little bit more interesting. But it's always great to see Tecatito Corona in the Champions League. And, you know, Musa Morega is a force. I, I'm wondering if this uh, sort of vulnerable, if, there, if that's what you can call them, Juventus' defensive line can deal with him. Is there any hope here? I, I, I just I keep thinking about that stalemate, scoreless first half, and then going all off in the second. I'm wondering if, uh, if, uh, if Porto's to get anything out of this game, where is it going to come from?
2: Probably a penalty, to be honest with you. Sergio Oliveira seems to have a penalty every single game. I mean, they're almost like the Manchester United of Portugal. They seem to always just pull out penalties uh, out of thin air. But that that being said, I think the 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 background or the context for, for getting a lot of penalties is that you have players like Musa Morega who are in the box, who are actually driving at defenses, that are actually trying to make something happen. And and even though they drew two two this past week with with Boa Vista. Uh, they still had enough there, and, and, and Oliveira did score a penalty. I think we can find it. Benucci and Chiellini, not, not the quickest of foot, never have been, but, but are slowing down now with age catching up to them a bit. And I think they could have a bit of an issue with these, these two players. Uh, Terrami up top as well, pairing with Moregas. looks like what's going to happen. Corona obviously coming off the wing and coming inside and trying to find where the space is to make stuff happen. Porto do have a chance, but I just think in this first leg, they're going to be a little bit more conservative and really kind of pick their spots to see how Juve's set up just so much experience with Juve they've got a lot of clean sheets here recently they've, they've been kind of locked in on that side of the ball despite the fact they gave up that one which was a, a penalty to Napoli which wasn't in the run of play so I kind like of like Juve right now you know ever since they got kind of tagged uh was it by Inter Milan and um you know they're playing too high of a line I think they found that nice sweet spot I'm not really worried. I think over two legs, Juve going to get through to James's point when you have the best to ever do it in the box. And then also for me in this competition with Cristiano Ronaldo, that's why they paid for him. That's why they brought him in. He's going to find a way and he knows it. And he loves that responsibility. It's not like he shirks away from it. So, so yes, there is some opportunities and I think Porto will get a look or two. It's just a matter of whether they finish them or not. And then if they get a penalty, we'll see if Sergio Oliveira can step up and score it again.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget, by the way, whenever we doubt Juventus, especially in the continent, uh, they they prove us wrong. We thought that maybe Dynamo Kiev was going to get something out of them, uh, you know, at home. But Juventus took care of business there. And the final reminder that Porto have never beaten Juventus in five previous encounters in European competition. You know, that's all you need to know. All right. Final score prediction then, James Bench.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, see, I don't, just briefly i don't quite buy that this juventus team is still a force in europe if you go back to uh you know over the last few years since they made the final the only teams i think they've won two knockout ties one of them was against tottenham so i discount that um, i'm not sure they're that good however i'll give them a, a
2: one nil for this game
1: one nil uh all right jimmy conrad
2: I'm going to say zero zero. That sounds so boring, but uh, that's what Porto is very good at, especially in this competition. I mean, the fact that they haven't given up a goal yet. In the Champions League at home speaks a lot to how they're going to set up. And I, I am a big fan of their manager, Sergio Conce Sal. I, I think that he's going to have something up his sleeve. Plus, they have Pepe in the back. And that guy definitely dabbles in the dark arts of defending. And I think he's going to figure out a way to make sure that CR7, his former teammate at Real Madrid, will not score in this one. And then Juve will go back and win it in the second leg. But for the first leg, I think there's still a chance for Porto.
1: God, I forgot about Pepe. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Uh, Well, listen, I had 3-1 Juventus in this one. But uh, now that I've heard both of you, I think all of those goals will come in the second half. Uh, But we'll see what happens. And that's it. That's our Wednesday preview before we leave. Of course, final thoughts uh, ahead of Wednesday and anything else in the Champions League. Uh, Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. Anything to add here?
2: Yeah, I'm really excited to see how Papu Gomez plays in this game. You know, as you guys know, I think he's uh, cute as a button, that number 10 that is going to replace another cute as a button midfielder in Ever Benega. He was named into the Champions League team of the season last year with Atalanta, so I suspect he's going to have a big one and want to prove why he's still one of the best players and best playmaking players uh, in the world.
1: Yeah, we love some Papu Gomez over (laughs) here. James Benj, uh, anything to add as we say goodbye?
2: Um, just that the, the, the eventual
3: Champions League winners will also be playing on Wednesday, um, one to catch up on after the game. Man City against Everton. This feels like a game where City might actually drop some points for the first time in a while because they don't like, um, don't like playing Everton at all. So one to catch up on after Sevilla
2: Dortmund. Wait, wait, wait. Sure. This is the Everton that just lost the form? You talk, are we talking about the same Everton? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what Everton <laughs> will do. All right, that's fair. That's
1: fair. That's fair. Go, that is a very good point. After the Champions League action, we also have a Premier League game, uh, a catch up (laughs) game as Man City uh, face Everton, as James Bench said. Uh, And I agree. I think Man City is going to take the Champions League as well, but we'll see what happens against Everton. It doesn't matter if they draw points against Everton. They still got the Premier League title, I think. But anyway, that's it, James Bench. Thank you so much, bud. My
2: pleasure.
1: Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure.
2: Always a pleasure. Take it easy, everybody.
1: Hey, everybody, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and please leave a rating and review. It really helps us to grow the show. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Kegolaso. We're on Twitter, Pod. We are here to preview and recap Champions League action. We're also here for the Europa League. We can preview. You, You can't get rid of us, everybody. So please stay with us and keep...